So to kick things off today, uh, I'd like to talk about the uh, perception of Black people globally and the responsibility or lack of responsibility, per se, of actors and actresses in the roles that they take and how that shapes or contributes to the perception of Black people or the stereotypes about Black people. And I, for one, have an issue with a particular role that is very widely uh, aware because of the genre that it's in and the, and the series that it's in, uh, which is John Boyega's role in Star Wars. I think that his character, the character he's chosen to take or accepted, it diverts from the traditional roles of Black people in the Star Wars series and also is one that I feel puts us in a bad light. You know, I think his character is always the frantic, scared Black man that's running around. He's not a, a true leader in comparison to the other numerous powerful leaders that have been in Star Wars. And, and if you speak about Black people in Star Wars, you have General Lando Calrissian, Mace Windu, who was a master, Jedi master. And uh, I think in the past also, most of the comic relief in the Star Wars movies were robots, they were droids, they were alien species. And so it is off-putting to me to see a black man put in the role of the comic relief and to always be running around. We have the dark-skinned brother. He's always shiny and sweaty and being saved by the white heroine all the time. And it really, like I said, diverges from the idea of one of the most powerful Jedi masters, Mace Windu, one of the most revered resistance generals, Lando Calrissian, you know, who was always, you know, Billy Dee Williams was always smooth and cool. And uh, even in the newer version of Lando, he's smooth and cool. And so I think that actors, again, you have to make your money. So you may take a role that isn't necessarily what you want, but overall within the film industry, I think we have a responsibility to change the narrative that we see globally of black people in film, where we are oftentimes the help or we are oftentimes in roles that are less than flattering for our diaspora. So does anyone have any thoughts on that subject? Yeah, so I do. So, I mean, you're right, you know, when I look back on the other Black characters that have been in the Star Wars movies, I can see, you know, why you would feel that way about Finn, you know, John Boyega's character. So do you feel then, because they have had strong Black characters in Star Wars, before this character, that it wasn't necessary for him to take that role? Do you feel like that role was specifically written for a Black person or could it have been played by anybody? Well, I, I, think, I think it's not wrong for him to take the role. I think he was found by the, I guess, directors or producers because he was in Attack the Block, a sci-fi movie where he, uh, I believe he did well. I saw some clips of it and he looked like he was a leader in that movie. And so I think they picked him because of that in the sci-fi genre. And so as a young upcoming actor, you have to take the Star Wars role. However, I do feel that the role portrays him and us in a negative light. And I do think that anyone could have played that role. I mean, when I think about Black actors who kind of shuck and jive, quote unquote, I mean, I think Marlon Wayans could have played that role. We didn't need anybody with actual true acting skills to play that role. But again, right. when, we, when we look at that role versus other comic leads in Star Wars movies, it's generally a droid or Jar Jar Binks or Ewoks. Or something Jar Jar that was that voiced role. by a Black actor. Everybody hates Jar Jar, and he was voiced by a Black actor. Okay, that's, that's yeah, that, <laughs> I didn't know that, but yeah, I also don't like Jar Jar. So I think that the thing I think about too is th this has happened since Disney has taken ownership of the Star Wars genre. 
And we know that Disney has a checkered past when it comes to its race portrayals. They've had some unflattering roles for Black characters in the older Disney movies. So I wonder, is this because it's owned by Disney why we see this change? Because George Lucas always put Black people and people of color in powerful roles. We look at characters who look like people of color, like Ahsoka Tano. And she's a powerful Black woman, too. That's something to take in consideration. So maybe the Disney takeover does have something to do with it. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. And so we look at Boba Fett. Boba Fett was a a person of color as well. And he's one of the most popular and powerful characters within the Star Wars genre. So it's just very stark. It's a stark difference to me, the role John Boyega plays. And even they have other great actors and actresses that are involved. And we look at Lapita's role in these new Star Wars movies, where she is voicing a CGI character who's not particularly attractive and kind of a froggy-looking, big-eyed sort of character. It just makes me wonder about why we see this shift. But then again, as I said, you got to take the Star Wars role when it falls in your lap as a young actor. But is that good for us to be seen running around sweaty and weak? Because again, in this role, he's a member of the First Order who was a maintenance man and then became a stormtrooper, and he went AWOL because he was scared to become a stormtrooper. All of these things put him in a bad light. I think Dark One makes a good point about the roles that we take on as Black actors, but I, I would argue that he is doing, as you alluded to towards the end there, Dark One, he's doing what, A, brings a paycheck, and I'm not by any means suggesting that you should take a role regardless of its impact on our culture for a paycheck. Shout out to Samuel Jackson, right, who's taken on some roles that were questionable. But I, I do think, you know, you talk about Lupita and you talk about John. You know, John's 28, Lupita's 37. Lupita is also an Academy Award winner, right? At the end of the day, even though you, on an, on an individual level, and maybe there are a group of people like you who feel this way, but we're speaking to you, Darquan, even though you feel that it's not a flattering role, I quite frankly salute him. I think. The fact that his name is now a part of this franchise in terms of acting, I think that's powerful. And I think he's young enough and intelligent enough to be around for many more years to come. I don't think this role is going to cause him to, by any means, be typecast as, as you put it, someone that's considered weak and running around sweaty. I think it's a role he took it on and he did the best in that role. Now, Tioff brings up a good point. I don't, I don't know if I heard the answer to the question she posed to you. And the question was, do you think the role that John Boyega played was written for a Black actor? So I'd like to hear that, the answer to that question. That's hard to know. All I can work off of is what we see. So I can't know what their intentions were. And, you know, oftentimes in conversation and just socializing in general, we have to say we can't judge a person's intentions. We have to judge their actions. And so I'm not sure who it was written for. But given the way movies are constructed, they knew what they were going to be working with. So they cast for the role. So they chose to choose a Black actor for that role. I'm not sure who it was written for, but they cast a Black actor for that role. And, you know, I think while he does have the ability to reclaim himself from this, from my perception, I haven't seen that yet. And, of course, in my mind, once you are in Star Wars, you should be able to get into pretty much any movie. But here's the thing that I say about just that overall intro conversation is there are numerous other young Black actors who don't take the, quote-unquote, shucking and jiving path into getting into big movies. When we think of 
I don't like think he's shucking and jiving. I don't think that this role is a shucking and jiving role. I think you're seeing an actor who's taking a role that doesn't have him be a dominant figure, doesn't have him being the hero, and yet that role is still important. It doesn't take away, in my view, it doesn't take anything away from him as a black actor, and it certainly doesn't take anything away from our culture having John Boyega in this role. He is not overtly masculine. He's not overtly aggressive. And I don't see anything in the role that has me think less of him. I mean, weigh in here, uh, Helbra. What, what did you see in this? I think you were about to weigh in when I was speaking earlier. Yeah, I was. So I would first, I understand that Disney does have a, a very checkered past. As a matter of fact, if you have their Disney Plus app, they have a disclaimer that some of the programming you will see, which was uh, produced in earlier time, does have elements that would be considered racist. But I would argue, as far as Disney's, remember, Lupita was also in Black Panther, in which uh, she was in no way shooking and jiving in her role in that. I would also argue, even though his face is not seen, James Earl Jones voices Darth Vader and also voices uh, Mufasa and Lion King, you know, both pretty strong roles. So I would like to give Disney the benefit of the doubt, although I do to some degree see what Dark One is saying. And I would also agree with you, Luna, that uh, I don't think John Boyega is, is shaking and jiving in his role in the recent Star Wars movies. So one thing about the Marvel characters is that that comes from another group, in essence, that Disney's purchased. And so those characters were established prior to Disney ownership. Black Panther's one of the first Black superheroes created by Marvel a long time ago. So if you're conveying characters from that, it's not something that Disney created. So they already have their angle that they're supposed to take. For instance, this is where I was segueing to before Luna Ma spoke, is that we look at actors like Chadwick Boseman, who mm -hmm. has never taken any role where I consider at least him to be putting himself in a negative light and putting us in a negative light. He's always had strong roles as an actor. And so as a Black Panther, he's referred to by everyone as your highness because he's a king. And so he puts us in a very positive light as being people of intellect, people of compassion and consideration, and people who are empowered and strong. And to speak to the, we should be able to do the full spectrum of things, that is true. However, we have a history of being but put in, negative, like in a negative Black light. Panther, with Black Panther, you know, that character was written as a king from the beginning. You know, as you said, the history, because Black Panther was written in what, the 60s? Yeah. Uh, right. During a time where, you know, you would not normally see Black people portrayed in that type of light. But that was the, because Stan Lee himself was Jewish. As another persecuted minority, he understood the importance of creating not only diversity in his characters, but showing people who are traditionally persecuted minorities in stronger roles. So I think that's a big part of the history as well. But like you said, since Disney has that checkered past, like where can they go with it? If Especially if they're writing new material under Disney and as Disney writers. But it just, that opens up so many different things because then it's mm -hmm. like other than Tyler Perry, we don't really have our own production studios either. So that gets into how much do we want to depend on Hollywood to create these roles for us? We need to create them for ourselves. 
But even if those roles are created by Hollywood, Tiaf, I would just add to that, and I think what you just shared is is important. I just have a burning question for Dark One. And, and, you know, Dark One, I I hope you receive it with love, right? So this is just me playing devil's advocate. I know you have fans listening who may share in your beliefs here. But the two questions I have for you are simply one. How do you define strength in a human being, particularly a black male, right? Because I see black men having so many diverse ways of being and showing up in the world. So I would love to know your definition of strength. And secondly, what did you make of Will Smith's first role, the one that really had people take a good look at this at the time, young actor, in Six Degrees of Separation? He's not playing, you know, men in black. He's not playing Muhammad Ali. He's playing a role that is pretty vulnerable. So I want to add, I would love to hear the answer to those two questions. What defines strength to you as it relates to black men? Because I think we're getting into stereotypes here. And secondly, you know, if you've got to start somewhere, and we talked about John Boyega being a relatively young actor, what did you make of Will Smith's first leading role? So I think strength, as you said, it can be a very diverse thing. I thought that Will Smith's role showed strength, even though I believe he was playing a gay role, but he still was not the clown in the movie. He was integral to the movie and showed intellect. Intelligence is really important. It's important that we are portrayed as being intelligent. And he was a strong actor in that role. And I'll explain why. Because we have always been portrayed as the shucking and jiving pimps and hoes and criminals and, you know, and that's lesser... not none of which John Boyega is playing in this role. So help me understand. It's, I get it. When I said why, it's about his intelligence it's about, it's is important, about... but someone being considered less than powerful to me isn't weak and isn't lack of intellect. It's about our history. We're not looking at this in a vacuum. It's not one movie and there have been no black people in other movies. We're talking about since the very first movie, the very first motion picture, we have been depicted as degenerates, the lesser people, you know, birth of a nation. From there all through most of film history, we have been portrayed negatively, right? And so what I want is for us to balance that out. Yes, you can play some of those roles because they are part of the world. However, given the dearth of Black heroes in particular, the whole John Boyega conversation is because this is a heroic, epic saga of movie, and that's what it's about. That's what this series of movies is about. It's not about anything other than the battle of good versus evil, right? And so in this, we're talking about heroism. And in this role, he is the anti-hero when it comes down to it. So that's why it's so off-putting because, as again, with the entire history of this particular series and all of film overall, we have a dearth of black heroes. And so when you get the opportunity to be in a heroic film, we would like to see you being heroic as opposed to being the clown in the movie. So yes, we can take all the different, the entire scope of roles. We can play roles where we identify differently than is normal. We can play roles where we are comedic, but we've done that already. We've been the joke already. We've been the help already. We've been a lot of things already that are not necessarily good for us. So when we think about what is going on in the industry now with like Jordan Peele, for instance, doing Us, now we're getting to see Black people in horror films where we don't generally get to see them as the lead actors in these roles. If we get the opportunity to do sci-fi movies, we want to see us as heroes. And so we always die off first (laughs) in the the horror films and the sci-fi films. We're always killed off first. You never really see Black characters develop in those genres. Yeah, we're fodder. So So when you look like Sanaa Lathan in Alien vs. Predator, 
where we have a black woman as the lead hero or heroine in that movie, in a sci-fi movie, that's a great role for us because people get to see us in different roles. They get to see us as leaders. And in a world where we have always been second-class citizens, it is important to portray us as leaders. That's why it's relevant. And not only was I disagree. she in the film, she was doing an activity that's typically seen as an activity that Black people don't do. She knows she's a rock climber mm-hmm. and an ice rock climber in the film. Mm-hmm. And that's not something so I agree. Black people do or, or associate with us. You associate that as being like a white activity. So the, I did like that about her role as well. Not only did she have a strong role, but she's doing an activity that's not normally associated with us that even we as Black people say, oh, that's something white people do. So you talk about an atypical role, Tiaf, and I want to talk a little bit about the five common African-American stereotypes, because I think Dark One has obviously spoken about that, right? And so the five that are highlighted in this article that was written earlier this year by Nadra Middle, she talks about the magical Negro, the Black best friend, the thug, the angry Black woman, and the domestic. And I want to just focus a little bit on the magical Negro. It states here in her article that the magical Negro characters have long played key roles in films and television programs. These characters tend to be African-American men with special powers who make appearances solely to help white characters out of crises, seemingly unconcerned about their own lives. And so I think about that, and again, (laughs) we can move off of John Boyega. I worry sometimes in these films, just as it's outlined here in this uh, Middles article, that when we are in roles such as we have these special powers or we're considered heroic, there doesn't always seem to be, in my view, any great character development, right? And for me, that's important in a film. Why? Because I can't relate to a character that I don't know. And so the reason why I push back, and I am pushing back on Dark One's position here, is that it's not at all that I'm ignoring the importance of seeing strength on the screen. And that's why I asked Dark One to help me understand his interpretation of what the word strength means when it comes to Black men in particular. But it is to say that, in my view, there are times when we are the heroes, we are portrayed as the heroes, and we are portrayed as perhaps the strong character, but then I don't really get to know much about the character. And so I wonder, when we talk about these stereotypes, couldn't it be said that if John Boyega played the strong role where he is, quote, assisting his white characters out of crises, that he wouldn't just fall back into this stereotype of the magical Negro? But he is the magical Negro in the Star Wars series. Yeah, because that's all he does is help Ray out. He sweats Ray all three movies. He sweats the white female lead. He is depicted as a coward multiple times. So he ran from working for the First Order, which is how he met up with the Resistance. And then even while he's on the Resistance, he tries to go AWOL from there again. And the Asian female stuns him and brings him back and locks him up. Remember that. So multiple times in that series, he is portrayed as a coward, right? But the entire rest of the time, he basically chases Ray around, sweating her quietly without ever really expressing his intimated feelings for her. Is that very different from real life? (laughs) How many men are, you know, attracted to someone and it takes them a while to come out with it and say, you know what, I'm really digging you, sister. I mean, how unrealistic is his role? No, it, that part is okay. The point is, is that he is sweating a white woman. 
And when yeah. and in the in the last movie where he actually has other black actresses Again, that he can interact with, it's a sci-fi science fiction uh, movie. So, but yeah, in the in the last movie where there's another black actress which he acts alongside, he doesn't show any interest in her when they're kind of riding the horses on the spaceship and so forth. So, it is just what it depicts: the black man sweating the white woman, being a coward, trying to run from battle numerous occasions. It's just not a good light for us. So let's talk about the light for us. I'd love to hear Helber weigh in on this. Let's shift it a little bit then, Dark One and Tioff. Let's shift it a little bit off of John Boyega and the Star Wars franchise. And let's talk about what we can do as a community, as a people, to ensure that we enforce the representation that we do want to see. And what comes to mind, for example, to me, are films that I've been enjoying or series that I've been enjoying, such as Insecure. I personally like Black as you know what, right? That new series that for me has been quite enjoyable, but I know, Helbra, you have an issue with that. So talk to us about your issue with right. the uh, creator of uh, Black AF. Right, yeah. I, more so the creator's vision, and his name is Kenya Barris. Uh, my issue is simply that, you know, I don't appreciate the fact that these shows are supposed to be what it is to be black but none of the main characters are actually fully black specifically the women now are you speaking of the shows that kenya barris has produced because i think it speaks to his own personal life that he's married to a woman who is of biracial descent so it's i think what we're seeing represented on his shows is really a reflection of his life but talk to us a little bit more about what's there for you when you see uh, women who are right. not, as you put it, 100% African-American, they're, they're biracial or what have you. Right. Well, yeah. And, and if that's the case, then that's how it should be promoted. But it's promoted as kind of like what it is to be Black. As a matter of fact, when Mixed-ish was about to come out, I remember what was present for me was there's a scene where the kids were walking through the cafeteria in school and a very uh, dark complexion boy in the school, he walked up to them and started teasing them. And I just remember like, that's so unrealistic. If anything, it would be the other way around. And I just feel like, you know, what he puts out as far as what I'm hearing, which is what this is what it is to be black. It's a kind of falsehood because of the fact that None of the actors portraying the members of the families in these shows, most of them aren't fully Black at all. Even that is true, because even in, you know, Black is just much now. I don't watch network TV that much. Well, I really don't watch it at all. Mm-hmm. But I have occasionally watched episodes of Blackish, And I love Tracy Ellis Ross, but, you know, and she's also biracial. She's not 100% Black either. And when you look at a lot of these TV shows, especially like sitcoms and stuff, there rarely to never is a, a dark-skinned lead or main character, like with the exception of like Family Matters. Um, and then you had Claire Huxtable, but typically on shows, it's like, even what was the show where they had the daughter was dark-skinned, my wife and kids, the daughter, the dark-skinned right. daughter replaced with a mixed girl. A very light-complexioned girl, right? Very light-complexioned, clearly. Well, she looked biracial to me. Yeah, she's probably biracial. I'm not sure, I have to look that up. And that happens a lot to where Black women are with dark skin typically are not portrayed or she, seen in those shows. Just like, I don't know if any of y'all saw Bright, the Netflix movie Bright. 
Mm -hmm. Will Smith and there was a lot of outrage in the community, the Black community around that movie because here you are, you have this future world where humans and orcs and elves and all these mystical beings live side by side and there was not one Black woman in the film except the one Black woman that you saw. You saw her for a couple of seconds and she was a stripper. But I've seen that a lot in movies. Like, it was a horrible movie. What was that movie? Skyline? I don't know if any of you all seen it, but it was horrible. Science fiction movie. And there were no Black women in the film at all, not even as extras. And I've seen many films like that where you have Black men in the movies, but Black women aren't present at all, even as extras. You could also think about other roles that Black women are often playing. For instance, one of the popular television series that in recent history, Scandal, where our powerful Black woman, Olivia Pope, is portrayed as the president's side chick. It's okay for her to play that role. If we give you some power, we have to kind of strip it all from you and make you the side chick of someone white and powerful. Just enough power to soothe the masses, but not true power. Because, yeah, at the end of the day, yeah, she's playing a district. Yeah, not even like his wife, his side chick. And I think this speaks to the original point of we have a lot of roles that we play where we are not put in a positive light. And to speak to the colorism aspect of the Ish series, yeah, I think that is caused by being on regular television. When you're on regular television, you are appealing to the masses. And the masses in this country are white Americans. And so they present them with people that they are more comfortable looking at. You know, and I think that's a part of that. So, not, not, I mean, that was a literal history of Hollywood. Like, in Hollywood, mm-hmm. that's why, that's where blackface comes from. That's where red face comes from. That's where yellow face comes from. Historically in Hollywood, white audience did not want to see actors of color on screen. So they had white people play the roles of people of color. And they didn't want to, like, for, I, I don't remember, like, what year it was that black actors were able to kiss on screen. But for a very long time, Black actors could not even have romantic scenes or kiss on screen because white people, I guess, were grossed out of the idea of seeing black people kiss on screen. So they couldn't have black people kiss on screen. So that is what Hollywood was. It They intentionally did those things and kept us out of certain roles or only relegated us to certain roles or wouldn't allow us to do certain things on screen because this is what made white people comfortable. So let's talk about that, right? So I want to go back to what Helber said because you bring up a good point to y'all. We're bouncing around in this conversation about white Hollywood, and we have some very powerful producers, right, who are doing black Hollywood, right? And so Helbra <laughs> brings up uh, Kenya Barris. Helbra and I differ, I, in our opinion. I, I think what Barris is doing is, is powerful. I think it, you know, of course, if you read up on his own personal life, he is bringing to screen what he's dealing with or what his experience is in his personal life, you know, Rainbow the character that Tracy Ellis Ross plays that you alluded to, Tioff, is based on his wife <laughs> in real life, right? His wife is a, is a doctor. So I, I personally think what he's doing is brilliant. It may not look like our families, right? My, I don't have any biracial people in my family, to my knowledge. So it doesn't look like my family, but I can still relate because what Barris is discussing are, are matters that impact the Black culture, right? And so just to push the envelope a little further, because we actually said that in taking this topic on, we actually were looking at it, the, the role that we talked about was, or the broader topic was really a Tyler Perry case study. So one of the things I found interesting, going back to Helbra's mention of Kenya Barris, is that on the episode Black AF, 
on the fifth episode, Kenya Barris actually invites Tyler Perry to um, come on the show. He, he makes a cameo as himself. And one of the things that I remember from this episode, and I'll just read it out to you, was what Tyler Perry says authentically. He says, I don't give a damn about a rotten, fresh, none of that means anything to me. He was goaded into talking about the Rotten Tomatoes ranking of his movies. He says, there's a lot of times I see blank that wins Oscars. And I'm like, what is this blank? And he, he goes on to say, I'm talking to us in my movies. That's why millions of people are watching my shows every week. That's why people keep showing up to see the movies that go to number one. I'm talking to us. I'm connecting to us. So, Tiaf, you talked a little bit about, you know, white Hollywood not wanting to see us embrace intimately. You know, Dark Juan talks a little bit about colorism. Helbra, let's hear you talk a little bit about your thoughts around what Tyler Perry says. You know, we're, we're talking black Hollywood. We're no longer able to hide behind, oh, we don't have roles because we're black people and we don't have black executives. We're talking about Tyler Perry here. He lives right here in Atlanta, Georgia, <laughs> Tyler Perry, Georgia. So talk to us about what your thoughts are as far as how Tyler has been able to advance black actors, or in your opinion, is he doing a disservice to black actors? No, I feel he definitely creates, you know, work that obviously speaks to people. If it didn't, he wouldn't be as successful as he is. It doesn't speak to me. And I mean, that could be in, you know, our future topic about, you know, how we connect with each other as black people and there are no experiences in his movies that I feel like are my experiences. So I personally am not really a fan of any of his movies or plays, but you know, I do applaud him for being as successful as he is in the uh, realm of, of creativity that he's in. I could say the same for Barris as well. It's just, I feel that what Barris specifically portrays isn't, really a truth. I think that when we're talking about Tyler Perry and even Kenya Barris, we have to really look back to like the 60s because I remember Malcolm saying, if you want to stab a black person in the back, get another black person to do it. And I think that in a way, these producers or filmmakers or TV show makers are allowed to portray these characters and roles because they serve to some degree the status quo. So yes, I think Tyler's movies do speak to a lot of Black people. And he does create a lot of business, which I commend him for within our community. However, it is reinforcing that status quo. He's generally speaking in his, his roles, he's either ghetto or he's got movies where the Black woman is desperately seeking love. And this is something that is acceptable to mainstream media. However, the question, I think, overall of all of these portrayals is, are they good for our diaspora? And I think that Black women are more than just love-seeking, empty shells looking for some successful, you know, man to make them whole. And I think that the range of hues and abilities within our diaspora goes far beyond just being the wife and children of famous people. So I think that they will accept the wealthy black person to a certain degree and they will see us in the roles that they've always seen us in these ghetto roles but if we're talking about true success within being black filmmakers we need to portray ourselves in a broader scope than that so receive dark one we're going to do a, a round robin of our three-minute wrap-up with no further ado let's go to you 
tee off with your wrap up on this rich discussion that's going to warrant another discussion. Then we'll go to Hilbra. I'll um, make my piece and then we'll close out with Dark One who led us into this conversation. So tee off, your three minute wrap up starts now. I mean, there are good points that Dark One brought up, but for me, it begs the question of how much of a responsibility do Black people have as entertainers to portray us in a positive light at all times? Does that mean we only do serious roles? Does that mean we can never do comedies? Does everything have to be serious? And I mean, I agree with what you said. There are Black executives and writers and producers out there now to where you know, I do feel like we have enough power as a people that if we do want to create more positive roles, we have the ability to do it. Like I look at, I don't know if any of you all saw uh, After Earth with Will Smith and Jaden Smith, and a lot of people trashed the movie. I don't do it. I love science fiction movies. Do I think the story was that great? No. Do I think it was the absolute worst science fiction movie? No. But I like the fact that Will Smith did try to do what Darquan is saying needed to be done, which is the film was made by his production company. He wrote the story and it starred his black son. And a lot of people complain it was nepotism. But, you know, let's face it, you know, white people put their children in positions of power all the time. So why was it wrong for Will Smith to do it with his son when he had to mean to do it? But even though the movie bombed, he made an effort to do what Darquan is saying black entertainers should be able to do. So it's a kind of six on one, half a dozen on the other, because you want us to do what's right. But then on the other side, do we, how much of that responsibility is ours and how serious does it have to be all the time? I got that tee off. Let's go to Helbra. Thank you for that tee off. Helbra, your wrap up begins now. Yeah, I just feel in the history of film and television, us as Blacks have portrayed a wide range of roles. And I think that wide range of roles is a result of, you know, our very wide range, you know, history. And I appreciate all portrayals of that. The only thing I really feel is important is that everything comes from a place of truth. And then ultimately, we as the consumers, we are very much allowed to like what we like and not like what we don't like. But I just feel it's important that everything comes from, once again, the place of truth. That's well said, Helbra, well said. So my wrap up, I'm going to be a little controversial. I'm going to just put it out here. I did not like The Cosby Show. I'm going to say it one more time for those of you who are hard of hearing. I did not like The Cosby Show. I did, however, like A Different World, which, of course, Uh, just like The Cosby Show, was created by none other than Bill Cosby. Why did I like Different World versus The Cosby Show? I love the uh, diversity of the college students, played by, of course, Jasmine Guy, Kadeem Hardison, um, Don Lewis, the list goes on, Charnel Brown, right? Cree Summer, the list goes on. I love that diversity because I could see myself in a few of those characters. I didn't see myself in Claire Huxtable. That wasn't what was happening at my house. My mom wasn't a lawyer, a successful woman, but she, she wasn't a lawyer. My dad wasn't a doctor. I hated the Cosby show. I hated the fact that every black person had to be this, quote, perfect family. But the different world was the world that I liked. And finally, before I punt to Dark Juan to take it home for us, listen, Tyler Perry? Would I see Medea Halloween? Probably not. Did I enjoy it? Why did I get married? Absolutely. I love seeing Jill Scott's role and her portrayal of her character. Not so much the fact that her husband was, you know, a, a jerk, but I love the fact that, guess what? I want to get married one day. And I love seeing the fact that they, these were 
four or five beautiful couples coming together to talk about marriage. So for me, Tyler Perry, in some regards, he he is relatable or his characters are relatable. Would I go, like I said, to see Medea Halloween? Probably not. Dark one? Well, you know, I think Tyler appeals to Black women. I think Tyler ostracizes Black men. And so I'm not a fan of Tyler Perry. I think also he does make a lot of stereotypical movies. To speak to the to Tioff's point of, you know, do we always have to be serious? And I think, Luna Ma, you also spoke about that. I do believe that we have been allowed to laugh. We've had our Dave Chappelle's. We've had our other numerous Black comedians from Red Fox, Richard Pryor, all of that. We're allowed to laugh at being Black. And I'd like the After Earth reference because I thought that was a good movie. I think they showed Black people being intelligent, showing grit, strength, even as a child. And they showed family values there, too. So... I think those things were beneficial, whether or not the movie was a box office hit. And I think that sometimes when you go against the status quo, you will not get a box office hit. And I think that's what compels people to not necessarily show that full range. And we have to think about where a lot of these people who are producers of these films, they have generations of money oftentimes, and where that money came from that empowers them to compel Black people to continue making movies that fit the status quo. And while we should have a full range of being able to see all the different aspects of Blackness. I think that where we have a dearth is where we need to lean into, and that will allow us to begin to change our perception. Where we have that power to portray us as being intelligent, powerful people, people to be respected and not just laughed at, I think that is where we are lacking. To pour more effort into an area where we are already strongly established, but doesn't necessarily benefit us from a worldwide perception, i.e. being able to be laughed at, being the love-struck woman, being the untrustworthy man, if we're speaking to Tyler Perry movies. We don't need any more of that. What we need is for young Black children to look at posters and say, I want to be him, or I want to be her or I want to be like him or her. Oh. That is how we will see the next generation to have a mind state that continues to create film and TV that bolsters us and empowers us to continue addressing the other concerns, let's say, within our diaspora that need to be addressed. And that's a great place to leave it, Dark Juan. So thank you all for a great session today. If those of you listening want to drop us a comment how we can further this conversation, please do. Thank you for joining. 